the unluckiest man in the world is sitting in a courtroom, a miracle drug has a bizarre origin story, and then we take a look at the story of a young woman who believes that her child may actually be a god today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I just pounded my coffee, so I don't know how frantic this episode's going to be. First off, let's give a shout out to one of our longtime supporters of the show, legacy Patreon supporter, Dude No. Dude No, thank you so much for supporting the show. Really, really helps out a lot. We're putting you back in the captain's seat today. If you can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Just help spread the word out about the show. just had some weird table the chair shifted underneath me what was in that coffee bro if you can't support the patreon that's fine too just help get the word out about the show really really helps out a lot do know let's go ahead and start off in the dead rabbit dirigible we're gonna take a little trip we're gonna leave behind oregon and we are headed out to chandler arizona dirigible's flying out there it's august 2020. So we're going to land at the local courthouse. We're going to walk inside. And currently sitting on trial is a man named Christopher Wade Nelson. He's 49 years old. And this defendant has had a horrible life. He's had a horrible life. We see him. He's sitting in a wheelchair and he has a voice box attached. And his defense lawyer is like, listen, look at my dude here. Look at my client is the term I should use. Look at my client here. He is obviously in a decline he suffers from lou gehrig's disease yes i do he says into his voice box defense attorney is like he's like my client cannot serve a day in jail he's his body is wrecked with this disease he has two years to live five at max bo ho ho crying noises his voice box says the judge looks over at the dude he's sitting in this chair Judge is just shaking his head. Normally, this would be a very, very sad situation to see someone in. Normally, the judge may feel sympathetic towards this guy. But the judge knows something. Actually, everyone in the courtroom knows something, except for you, because I'm telling you the story this way. Bo, ho, ho, teardrop, 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 the voice box says. Christopher Wayne Nelson has had a string of bad luck in his life. He currently has Lou Gehrig's disease. He can't talk. He has a voice box that also emits bodily functions. Pooping noises now. The defense lawyer's like, are you pooping your pants? Eyes shift from side to side. Not only that, not only does he have Lou Gehrig's disease in 2020, he actually had pancreatic cancer in 2010. And it killed him in 2010. Can you believe it? This guy died 10 years ago. And now he has Lou Gehrig's disease. And now he's sitting in a courtroom with a voice box. This is a scam this dude's been running for years. And what happened was back in 2010, he comes up with this scam. He starts telling people that he has pancreatic cancer. And they're like, oh, that's horrible. Where's the pancreas at on the body? Like, what part hurts? Which is actually not think about it. That's not something you should answer at someone with cancer. They're like, oh, I have bone cancer. You're like, which bone, sir? Will you please show me? You you shouldn't question him. Well, you should question this guy. He says he has pancreatic cancer, and he ends up getting $30,000 
from donations and bake sales and stuff like that, people were trying to raise money for his treatment of a disease he didn't have. And then he realized, well, I've had pancreatic, quote unquote, had pancreatic cancer for a while. People are starting to kind of figure out that I'm scamming them. I'll kill myself. That's the answer to all problems, right? It's not, but uh, faking killing yourself might be. That might that might solve some problems, especially if people are getting suspicious. He fakes his suicide. And then what he does is he starts a new scam. So he's still alive. He's still in the same town, which would have been really embarrassing if you were walking downtown and someone's like, hey, I gave you $1,000 and I thought you killed yourself. And you're like, uh, you're running away. He's still living in the same town, which is super bizarre. How did people not see the man with pancreatic cancer who killed himself at the local Walmart? Uh, but they didn't, apparently. <laughs> apparently, everyone in this town is a dupe. Because in the same town, he starts running a new scam. He's like, man, that pancreatic cancer was so 2010. I need to get with the times. What's that ice bucket challenge these kids are always talking about? That's it. Lou Gehrig's disease. So he starts telling people he has Lou Gehrig's disease in town. And he actually like goes to a repair shop and he's like, I'm going to die soon. Can you fix my truck for free? And the guy's like, oh, that's horrible. You're going to die soon. I will totally fix your truck for free. And he does. He goes, I want one last ride in this old classic truck before I get a voice box and have to go to court. And the guy's like, why would you go to court? And he's like, ignore that last part. He gets his car fixed for free. He ends up getting a bunch of donations. He gets a free motorized scooter. He gets a free voice box. He gets all this stuff, which you would need to keep up the ruse. The second scam nets him about $9,000. But at this point, people are super suspicious because one, he killed himself. He killed himself in 2015. Two, he had pancreatic cancer in 2010 that got miraculously cured after he killed himself. And now he has ALS. The cops begin looking into him and eventually they do bring him into court for fraud. And that's when he has this voice box now so he can't testify in his own defense. And the, the defense is like, this guy obviously has these medical problems. Have mercy, judge, because yeah, sure, he may have faked his own suicide and may have scammed people out of the pancreatic cancer, but this version, this disease here, this disease is real. That other crime he's in trouble for, because that's what they got him for, because people realized he hadn't really died. He really has Lou Gehrig's disease, but that other one he made up. So the cops go, well, since he can't speak on his own defense, how about we just play how about we just play this videotape? They put the videotape in, and it's him walking around. They had a surveillance around his house. It's him walking around. He's washing his car. At one point in the tape, they didn't show this. I saw the video of him walking and he was washing his car. His truck that got repaired for free because he was going to die. Now, I'm not saying that if you're going to die, you can't wash your car. That's not the cop's proof. They're like, sir, he only has three months to live. He has to drive around in a dirty car. That's the law. He's also dancing. I didn't see that clip. So I don't know if it's him just boogieing around his pavement. Also, how bold do you have to be to be scamming a city and then wash your car in public? Like, this guy must have just figured he would never get caught. But anyways... There's video of him dancing, which, again, I don't know if he's at a nightclub doing some Saturday Night Live moves or if he's just kind of bobbing along to music. doesn't really matter how well choreographed it is. The fact is he said that he couldn't move and he needed a voice box. Again, people with voice boxes can dance. I'm putting a lot of limitations on people here. I'm like, listen, if you have Lou Gehrig's disease, you better drive around a dirty car. And if you have a voice box, you better not get down when that funk starts playing. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm just saying that this guy is allegedly a total fraud. He's currently on trial for that. So now we're on our way out. Do know, 
hey, dude, dude. So I'm nudging him. I dare you to go steal that dude. I dare you to go steal his motorized scooter. Just prove that he's faking. So dude no sneaks up and he grabs it. And of course, the defendant jumps up on both feet and says, come back here with that. And we drive away on it. So now we have a new vehicle. It's Christopher's. The vehicle is called Christopher's Motorized Scooter. We are going to take this scooter out into the city streets of Chandler, Arizona, the most gullible city in the United States. How do you run two scams, die during one of them, and still get away with it? I don't know, but we're taking off on this dude's motorized scooter. We are going to drive it. We're going to have to ditch it at some point because the cops are looking for us. We stole it out of a courthouse. It doesn't matter if this guy is... A fraud, allegedly, again, a fraud. The court trial's going on. We still stole the evidence from a trial. Go, 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 go. Motorized scooter is going down the road. As we're going down the road, I want to talk about this story. I've actually had it in my notes for a long time, and I still don't really understand. <laughs> I still don't really understand it. There may be signs behind it where you guys go, oh, no, no, that's totally normal. But we're driving down, and we're going to go to a research facility. We're going to burn the motorized scooter, no evidence. Other than the 50 witnesses that saw us steal it out of the courtroom. We're walking into this medical laboratory. We're putting on our lab coats. We're walking in, grabbing clipboards from real scientists. And we're scribbling on their notes. We hand it back to them. There, fixed it for you. So we walk into this laboratory. And they're currently working on this new drug called isovaline. We see the scientists studying something we don't really see what it is but we see all these little vials and stuff like that i'm daring you to drink it come on drink it drink it maybe you'll get superpowers isovaline basically is a non-sedating pain blocker and the reason why doctors need this thing is one of the biggest complications with surgery is figuring out the right dosage of painkiller because you not only have to sedate the patient but you also have to dull the pain or hopefully make it go away so they're taking Stuff called propofol, which is an uh, which is an, an anesthetistic, which is an anest, uh, you know the stuff that knocks you out, right? And it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, you know what it is. And then they mix, then they have to give them opioids. And if you get the measurements wrong, you kill them. They say like one of the leading causes of malpractice suits is this measurement going wrong and people dying or having horrible complications and things like that. Isovaline, it's actually an amino acid. When they use it on mice, they do this thing called the clip test where they'll attach a little metal clip to their tail. It's how they test pain receptors, painkillers. Mouse is totally fine with it. Not only is that, I mean, it's not going to go out to the club with it on, but it doesn't really, the pain doesn't bug them. Not only that, but it doesn't put them under. It's a non-sedating pain agent. It doesn't get you high. It doesn't, you're like, oh, you're shutting off the podcast. You're like, dang it. It doesn't get you high, which is great for pain relief. Because the problem with opioids, they can be abused because they do get you high. It blocks your pain. It doesn't get you high. It doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier. So you don't have any sort of mental problems with it. It doesn't upset your stomach like ibuprofen. It's super cheap to produce. And it alleviates pain. But, here's the big but. This is really interesting about it. Because... I have pain, you know, I have back pain and stuff like that, I'm older, my knees hurt. It would be neat to be prescribed, or even over-the-counter would be even better, but a pain medication that actually blocks the pain. I wake up every morning and I take ibuprofen and Tylenol, and then I have to take a break from them for a while. But as much as a miracle drug as this sounds, there's 20 amino acids that are natural on Earth. This isn't one of them. That's when we see the scientists who are in the lab who are kind of blocking something from our view earlier on. They move away. It's a meteorite. 
This amino acid was completely unknown to mankind until 1969, when a meteorite crash-landed in Australia. And when they began analyzing it, they found an amino acid that does not naturally occur on this planet. Isobilene. They, now that they know it exists, they can replicate it. But it's from space. Would you be willing to take something that did not naturally ever occur on this planet? Nobody knew it existed until 1969. And you could say, well, Jason, plastics. But even plastics is from oil. We're taking something that's naturally occurring and making something that's not very naturally occurring. This is 100% from space. The science community goes, this is cool because it's a painkiller, but also it kind of proves to us the idea that life may have been seeded on planets from meteorites. If one of these meteorites had landed into an empty ocean billions of years ago, it would have been one of the building blocks of life. But it wasn't. The other amino acids were, but this one is not naturally occurring on Earth. Would you want to be injected with an alien amino acid? The definition of alien. And this is why I waited so long in the story. I'm sure a science dude could be like, well, no, Jason, like amino acids are just like these chains that we can fix. So it's not really from space. It's just a different combination. And that may be the case, but still. <laughs> I'm going to dismiss that argument. I think of this as something that doesn't occur naturally on Earth that's from space. I don't know if I would take that drug. As much as I have to deal with back pain, I don't know if I would take a drug from space to cure it. It almost seems like a miracle drug. Something that could override pain and not get you high. Just make your body feel like it felt when you were 15, when you didn't have any pain. It's possible that this drug is totally normal, and it will be the future of pain medication. It's also possible that it's the future of pain medication. But over time, this alien amino acid begins to have long-term effects on the human body. So would you take a drug that has all the pluses of pain relief, none of the negatives, you can't get addicted to it, you can still drive on it, you're a functioning member of society, even more functioning now because you no longer have pain. But that miracle drug came from the depths of space. You could say, Jason, well, all amino acids at some point really came from space. That's the point. They all landed here in meteorites. And Sure, but they've been here for billions of years. This one has only been here for about 40-something years. It's a little bit older than I am. I think I'd be more willing to take another laboratory-built painkiller that may have negative effects in the long run than take an alien amino acid to cure my pain. I mean, I basically, because that's, that's how the blob started, right? Okay, no one was snorting the blob. They would have if he was in powder form. They totally would have eaten the blob if the dude had a spoon. But basically, <laughs> this is the problem with pop culture, right? People go, hey, we want to build this robot. It'll help with farming. And everyone goes, ah, I saw the Terminator. <laughs> basically science is going to be like hey we have this miracle drug it'll stop your pain and i was like nope saw the blob saw the blob i'm just gonna walk around with a bad back for the rest of my life taking tylenol and ibuprofen and hurting my stomach and my liver because i saw the blob i'm gonna get a shirt that just says i saw the blob and then there's a picture of a meteorite with a x through it and people are like jason what's up with your weird shirts you're always wearing around but if they only knew the truth if they only knew the truth of the movie the blob 
they would understand why I have a life of back pain because I don't want to get eaten by the blob. That's why. Hey, why are you walking with that cane? Everyone else is taking this drug. And I'm like, oh, just give it another 10 years, young whippersnapper. It's going to be blobs. Blobs everywhere. Because you're eating that amino acid. Dude, no. Let's call in that Carpenter Copter, that legendary vehicle. We are taking off. We are leaving behind the scientific lab. And we are headed out to a small house in the middle of any town USA. We land at this house and we walk around back. We walk around the back of the house. I love these intros. I'm sorry, but I do. We walk around the back of the house because we want to look in the we want to look in the rear window. The Alfred Hitchcock Classics Collection is available now. In a 4K Ultra HD combo pack with a Blu-ray and digital code from Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. The collection includes, for the very first time, the original, never-released, uncut version of Psycho. Universally recognizes the master of suspense, the legendary Alfred Hitchcock directed some of cinema's most thrilling and unforgettable classics. The collection includes four iconic films from the acclaimed director's illustrious career, including Rear Window... Vertigo, Psycho, and The Birds in stunning 4K resolution. Starring Hollywood favorites such as James Stewart, Grace Kelly, Anthony Perkins, Janet Lee, Tippi Hedren, Kim Novak, and Rod Taylor, this essential collection features hours of bonus features, as well as the original uncut version of Psycho for the first time ever. This collection with collectible disc book packaging includes hours of bonus features, such as documentaries, expert commentaries, interviews, screen tests, and much, much more. I said that a little too loudly. <laughs> I said that a little too loudly in the backyard of this house. Neighbors are kind of peeking over. We have to hide in the bushes. But after they're done peeking, we're going to stay here until the sun sets. It's nighttime now. We're sitting in this house. Now, this story took place in 1976. I actually got this from that website called thinkaboutitdocs.com. We don't have a location. We don't have an exact date. We have no date, actually. This was also reported in a newsletter called Encounters with the Unknown by a group known as UFO CCI, which is a UFO research group. We're going to meet a young woman. We're going to call her Samantha. And she's sleeping in bed. It's a normal night. Nothing unusual has happened so far. But in the middle of the night, she wakes up. Now, she describes it as a dream-like state. Now, normally we would dismiss this story as a dream until what follows actually happens. She goes to bed. She's now in a dreamlike state. She's laying on a table. She's no longer in her bedroom. And the first thing she notices that her legs are in the air and they're on the shoulder of a man, a man she's never seen before. He's standing between her legs. Now, using the term man is a bit of a misnomer because this is basically some sort of monster. She's terrified of it at first, and she's terrified of it at the end of the story, too. But what she sees is something with the body of a man, with pale, almost pinkish skin. But its head is that of a dog, with long pointed ears, a long brown snout. She's on this table. She's seen this creature stand between her legs, and her ankles are up on its shoulders. She knows what's coming next. This creature is totally naked in front of her. She notices this creature has red stripes on his pink skin. And the red stripes actually continue on to his genitals. 
she asks what's going on, what's going on. She knows what's going on, but it's you you almost have this instinctual thing, even if you know the answer. But she says when she asked it, she felt utter fear wash over her. And this creature with this dog head stared at her. She said she felt like she couldn't look away from its eyes. And as she's looking at this dog creature's eyes, they begin to spin like pinwheels. The eyes just begin rotating around, hypnotizing her. The fear becomes even worse at this point as she feels these eyes destroying her mind. The next thing she knows, she's back in bed. Her heart is pounding. A horrible nightmare. A horrible nightmare. A month later, though, she finds out she's pregnant. Now, we don't know this woman's sexual history. She may have had a lover at the time. There's no notice in this story saying that she hadn't had sex in a long time or anything like that. So she may be chalking the dream up to something else and the pregnancy to an earthly lover. But she begins to see sparkles around her. Sometimes they're in the corner of her eye, but sometimes when she's just sitting in the room, she'd see cracks of light. She gave them intent. She actually said they felt like they were nosy. These weren't just visual images. She felt like they were watching her back. This crackling light. And these visual disturbances, these lights, were there for her entire pregnancy. She eventually gives birth to a baby boy she named Tony. After she gives birth, she said when she first held her son, the entire room crackled with energy. She saw white flashes of light like she had always seen, but now she's also seen electric blue flashes and gold flashes. They're almost covering up her vision. They're so disturbing to her. For the first time, she asks if other people can see these things. They're blinding to her. Doctors have no idea what she's talking about. The visual disturbances stop, and the boy is a healthy baby boy. The whole pregnancy was healthy. There's no complications there. In 1988, Samantha's looking through a copy of a Time Life Mysteries book. And that was the first time she saw a picture of the Egyptian god Anubis. And she immediately recognizes it as the creature she saw in her dream. What's funny is nowadays, with the internet, you're, you're going to stumble across images of all sorts of things. But back then in 88, like you could go... Your entire life without ever seeing a picture of Anubis. It was a different time period. I know there may be people going, well, she dreamt about Anubis. She obviously had seen that image before. Pre-internet, you were limited to what books you had on hand. It was a very, very weird time. Knowledge, it's, it was, the, it, they call it the information age for a reason. You can literally go back to a time before the internet. Your knowledge was limited to basically four television channels and the books you had access to. She could have gone her entire life without ever looking up Egyptian mythology. She could probably recognize a picture of Zeus. They taught that stuff in school. Not that it was true, but I remember Greek mythology was taught in our school because it was all these tales that kids like. She realizes that's who she saw that night. But to make things even creepier, her son, who at this point would have been eight, nine years old, sees the picture as well. And Tony tells his mother, I've seen him before. I have a dream. I have it often where I'm walking by myself and I see a pyramid before me. And I'm drawn into the pyramid. I go into its depths. 
and I see these images on the walls. One of them is that guy. Every time I have this dream, it's the same. I walk into this room, and the image walks off the wall. A man with the head of a dog. And he walks up to me, and he begins to teach me things. Now, the mom had never told her son about this encounter before. She asks Tony, what does he say to you? And Tony answers, I don't remember. But every time I have this dream, he comes off the wall, and he talks to me. But when I wake up, I can never remember what he said. A skeptic could tear this story apart, obviously, right? That she had seen a picture of Anubis before, that the kid had seen a picture of Anubis, that she had told her son the story. We don't know those details. We don't know those details. It could be completely made up. That's fine. But let's put on our conspiracy caps for a while, because that's a, it's an interesting story. It has the hallmarks of a normal alien abduction. But alien abductions very rarely... I'm trying to think of another example where they involve mythology like this. I know there's always been stories that the gods of old were actually visitations from aliens, and that's why they have these stories about these people coming down from the skies. But in modern UFOlogy, I can't come across the story where people met Zeus on a UFO. That, that's what this story is kind of similar to. Let's assume the story's true, that she had this dream that turned out to be something else, and her son is visited by Anubis. This kid would be my age today. Tony would be my age today. And it's possible he's still out there. It's possible he's still alive. Some of us feel like we're protected by a guardian angel. He may have a guardian god standing behind him. He's the sire of an ancient being who's alive today. You have to wonder how his mom raised him after hearing that story. Did she treat him as if he was the descendant of an Egyptian god? I mean, do they have to do chores at that point, right? It's a creepy story to think of in that point of view. You'd have a kid, a man at this point named Tony, who would be 43, 44, somewhere around there, who's still alive walking the earth. A descendant of a god, alive now. But not just any god. Anubis was the god of the underworld, the god of wandering souls, who modern religion would equate with the devil. Now, I know Egyptian mythology may be a little more nuanced than god-devil, but that is what he would be associated with in modern parlance. So it's possible that we actually have the name of the Antichrist. He's alive today. His name is Tony. It's a very unassuming name. Because that is the name that we don't have the woman's name, but she does give the boy's name as Tony, his real name. And the name Tony means triumphant. There's always been a lot of talk about the Antichrist being alive in modern times. And while I'm not saying we should hunt down every Tony on the planet, Tony the Tiger's like, ah! You should be a little more cautious around people with that name in that age range. Because that employee that you're yelling at, or that car you're speeding past, flipping off the bird to the man with the license plate that says Tony 1, that man might actually be a direct descendant of an ancient god. He may, at this very moment, be planning to make the first move in the war against the living. The story of the Antichrist could just be a misinterpreted story in modern religion. Or it could be a literal person 
who is going to initiate the final war of this reality. We won't know until we hear that first trumpet. We won't know until the furnace of hell is lit and the gates of heaven break open and the final war in this reality begins. And by then it will be too late to pick a side. You can choose the side of the angels and lay down your life, or you can choose to side with Tony, (laughs) some guy named Tony, and the Legion of Darkness that is attempting to take over all that is. Or you may not have a choice. Just before that first trumpet blows and the war starts, you could be lying in bed, asleep, comforted that everything will be okay when you wake up. But that night while you're dreaming, that night while millions of people are dreaming, they are all visited by a man with the head of a dog. You try to resist its orders, and its eyes begin to spin. You may have always thought of yourself joining the side of good in the final conflict. You wanted to fight for what was right. But instead, you are another mindless slave of the dark god of the underworld. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.